0: You're listening to the Embrace Family Recovery Podcast, a place for real conversations with people who love someone with the disease of addiction. Now here is your host, Margaret Swift Thompson.
1: Welcome back. Today, we pick back up with Annie Augustus Rose, the author of Addicted, Our Strength Under the Influence. During the last episode, Annie shared about the generational influence of the disease and how she used the writings between herself and her ex-husband as the foundation for her memoir. Today, Annie talks more about raising her grandchildren, the role patience, hope, and faith have played in her own recovery and heartbreaking decisions she has had to make as a mother of children who have struggled with the disease of addiction. Let's get back to Annie.
0: The Embrace Family Recovery Podcast.
1: In talking about your mom and her work ethic and what she did for a living. Different but similar. You feel like when you turned into the gram and arranging the meetings and finding the resources, quite a social worker in tenacity and finding the right things to get the help for the different players in the family.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It just felt like a natural ability in some way. But what I often say is that I had two years of typing in high school, and really, truly, that led me into a career that today would never be possible without, you know, certain kinds of degrees. But when I was working in the natural food business, I was an executive assistant to the CEO, and I often felt that I was taking full advantage of his University of Virginia education. So I learned a great deal in my seat, so to speak, and felt like i'm just going to do the best i can here i'm going to take the things that i've learned along my way and apply them wherever i can and assertively so and not taking no
1: mm. for an answer we did not do that did you ever doubt taking the children was there a question about it or was that a natural i have to do this
0: oh yes there was there was a big question i was 52 at the time i'm now 76 So it's been a good span of time of taking care of and loving my grandchildren. However, when they first arrived, there was some conversation about possibly living with their dad, with whom they'd had a very fractured relationship. And when I gave it great thought, realized that the services that we had in place were in our state of residence, and he lived in a neighboring state. And I just thought, you know, these children have already had so many changes, I'm not going to do that. However, I did engage him to become a part of their lives when they hadn't for very many years. So that was a good thing that came out of that. But in the meantime, now my grandson had some significant behavioral problems in school, and in life at that young age. And so It made good sense for all of us to stay together. But first, the question you would ask me, was I questioning, do I want to do this? Well, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be raising another family. I've already done it, but this is what I need to be doing. There is a home here in our state that it's a wonderful program for families who cannot raise their own children. It's a school that eventually, Mm -hmm. after graduating, then there's another school, the Hershey School, and Hershey, Pennsylvania is a component to the educational piece. So I applied. I wanted to send both of these children to the school. And when they said that my grandson would pose a problem because of behavioral issues, they said, We will be glad to take your granddaughter, but we just can't take on your grandson. And of course, well, that was the answer. I'm not going to send one and not the other. That doesn't make good sense. So I just had to twist my thinking. (laughs) We get, so to speak, and we just move forward.
1: What came across also in your writing was the struggle with boundaries with your daughter and her parenting or her role in the children's lives at different times because of obvious challenges if she was not able to be sober or able to be in a stable living environment. How hard was that to navigate, Annie? We gave
0: many opportunities for reunification. Mm -hmm. My daughter really struggled with her addiction. I mean, it just ate her up inside. And I would never believe she would have wanted that life. Mm -hmm. I'm remembering back to when she asked me to take care of her youngest child who had a different dad from the older two. And when she first asked me, I was overwhelmed by that question. And I said, no, I just can't do that. But when it became very obvious that she was just failing miserably, I did. I had that youngest child come and live with us and uh, eventually adopted her. And I know on that very day that my daughter gave up her parental rights, that it crushed her. But she did have the presence of mind to know that she just wasn't capable of taking care of this child.
1: A very painful tragedy in the progression of the illness. And as you said, your daughter would never want to ever have to make that kind of a choice, but actually made the most loving and responsible thing she could for her child. Mm-hmm. When she was not capable of being a healthy parent because the disease had trapped her so badly,
0: yeah oh it was it was the worst,
1: mm. and
0: like I said earlier, you know, when your child is pleading and begging and wants you to you know put five hundred dollars on an account for them and and it's raining outside, and I have no place to live, and someone stole my shoes, and I've been staying under a porch, imagine that conversation and then saying. I'm going to hang up now. And I did. I'm not a heartless person, but there is a place where you have to save yourself, where you end up as a victim of the disease yourself.
1: What gave you the strength to make that decision to hang up, saving yourself from the disease, taking you down?
0: Oh, I believe in faith. I believe in someone in a spiritual sense, in the religious sense wrapping their care around me and holding me strong. Without that, without the support of my Naranon group, I would never have been able to stand the task, so to speak.
1: Mm-hmm. It's decision and momentary choices and life requires of those of us who love someone with this disease that are unimaginable to those who never have to navigate these Day to day experiences. And it's so easy to judge from the outside, lest you walk in someone's shoes. You have no business judging.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's why I said to you earlier before we started recording I'm hoping that if someone sees my book and the word addicted is going to stand out against the backdrop, that it might spark something for them. They'll pick it up, they'll open it up at random and see themselves, perhaps, or a child or a friend. And it really is a tool. This book is a tool to help folks, not only who have addiction in their family, but someone who has no idea what it's like to be a child in a family. Because as you said earlier, you know I have standalone chapters are in the book of family members who can talk from their perspective of what it was like to feel left behind and to not have a dad
1: or a mom. Yeah, I have to say, Annie, I think probably the most, other than the monkey chatter in written form, which was painful to read, but resonated because I know it and teach it and understand it personally, was the next piece that really grabbed me about your book was, other than your candor and openness of sharing it for yourself, were the different family members putting their written word in their own word of what the experience was like for them. I think books can be one-sided and you absolutely changed the narrative of that by having the ability to have those in there. And they're not always glowing and easy read. They're very honest and authentic to what they felt. And you validated that even if it might've been different than what you felt. And I thought that was profound to read. Thank you. Thank you.
0: The idea came and we ran with it. And I asked all of my family members, and my mother, who passed away in 2019, was the first to participate. That was 2018 when I did an interview with her. And everyone but two direct members of our family agreed to participate. So it was awesome. And as hard as it was to sit down and talk about the past and how it had impacted them as a child and then moving forward. I think it was pretty remarkable. But as you say, it's truth. It's reality. It's what was happening to them at the time. And they were not ashamed or afraid to say how they were feeling.
1: And my son included Mm
0: -hmm. and my daughter. I mean, it's all there.
1: It is all here. And it's also... Beautiful is a hard word, but I would say a beautiful portrayal of how everyone in the family has their own perspective and reality, and they're all valid to who they are. Mm -hmm. Like your daughter's words about her experience in different parts may not mirror what you experienced because you are having your own experience, but both are equally valid. Mm -hmm. I think that's important because I think families often get stuck and trapped in defensiveness and blame and hurt and anger when they can't get to see the other side of the story and not take it as an attack or personal.
0: Mm -hmm. Many misunderstandings.
1: Good word. Yeah.
0: And that's why I felt in retrospect and now looking back, did I have the intent of what you're describing I was just doing what I felt was the right thing to do. And then it all came together with the help of a fantastic editor. She really drove this project.
1: Well, but the other piece, yes, I'm sure you'd never, gosh, 25, 13 years ago, ever thought you would have this story, let alone write it. But what I think is so courageous is... To hear the unvarnished truth of members of the family that may not have sounded like they would have been if you had tried to tell it for them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that was really, really good.
0: I would not have tried to do that. Mm. I couldn't have done that. But was
1: it hard to hear some of them, what they wrote or said? Did you have to go back to your own resources to come through that and look at that?
0: no it felt very natural it felt very much like who they were Mm. because I've grown up with these no they've grown up with me I guess and I've grown up with
1: them too right so not that surprising or unexpected No. no no this podcast is made possible by listeners like you I have been inspired through having been privileged to have conversations on this podcast with Annie and many other authors to dip my toe into writing. Writing, to me, feels more intimate and scary than speaking my story, which I do quite often. All of this to say, I am absolutely thrilled to share that in February of 2024, I will be one of the women co-authors in Voices of the 21st Century, Women Empowered Through Passion and Purpose. I'll keep you posted as things move forward.
0: You're listening to the Embrace Family Recovery
1: Podcast. Can you relate to what you're hearing? Never miss a show by hitting the subscribe button. Now back to the show. How does the story unfold? You took the grandchildren in when, well, the first two were how old when they came to live with you? Seven and nine. And then the youngest came later because there's 12 years. Is that right? Six years later. Emily joined our
0: family and then very shortly thereafter, I adopted her. So mm-hmm. she had permanence. She wasn't a foster child or a kinship kid. She had a real place in a real home and a real family with us.
1: And how have they done? How have your grandchildren and Emily, your child, done?
0: I would say that in life, everything is a work in progress, myself included. But I'm very proud of where my grandchildren are and the choices that they have made overall. My oldest granddaughter is a single mom. She has a 10 and a half year old daughter. My grandson remains in the National Guard. He spent a good deal of time in the Army as an enlisted person, but managed to have a Fantastic career and is now studying to be a physician's assistant at a local college. And my youngest granddaughter had a baby in December. She'll be 22 next month and she's figuring it out,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: she's living on her own. And I'm not too far down the road from where she lives. And we have a very strong relationship, as I do with my other granddaughter. they're both in the area here. We see each other pretty frequently. I've been on duty a great deal of the time. I'm still in the kid business. And this is speaking of someone who really never even liked to babysit when I was a kid. I don't know how this happened, but it did.
1: (laughs) Different, huh?
0: Yeah, very different.
1: (laughs) And how's your daughter doing?
0: My daughter is doing quite well. She's living in a town not too far from here in southern Vermont. And she struggled so with a variety of programs she was in and out of and eventually found her way to MAT, which would be medicated-assisted treatment with methadone. And it has allowed her to have a real life. She owns her own business, and she's working very hard. It has been a struggle, and she's faced down many struggles within her business that if she didn't have the strength of her mother and her grandmother i could see that she could have faltered but she's had been hanging in there
1: i think that's an interesting point you make because you have a strength to speak of your mother had a strength to speak of your grandmother had a strength to speak of and though your daughter was in her disease and really beat up by her disease she has an incredible strength to survive that Mm-hmm. And find the solution that works for her to give her the life that she's gained. Uh-huh. There's you know, a lot of people can judge people who have the disease of addiction in many ways, but they are some of the strongest people because what they survive, many wouldn't.
0: I know. I have that image of her calling me that day, you know, or somebody stole her shoes. It's pouring rain. She's living under a porch. And you know, oh, by the way, it's Easter Sunday. I carry that with me, and and then I think about how far she's come, and I remind her pretty frequently, and she's very grateful for the fact that she has survived this one day at a time, of course. Absolutely. And your son? Well, my son had a conviction two years ago. He was arrested uh, while driving on an interstate with drugs with intent to distribute and a loaded unlocked handgun. He is currently incarcerated, and I'm sure it saved his life. Mm. So he and I would possibly not agree with that, but that's my feeling about it. And he's worked a program. I would say that the impetus was that if he completed the program with success, he would have six months taken off of his sentence. So he did complete that. And He's hoping to be released sometime before summer. So we talk pretty frequently. We laugh. We've always laughed as, as mom and son. And when the three of us, my daughter, my son, myself would get together, we would just be riotous. We would have such great conversations. Most recently, they don't have a lot to do with one another for all of their own reasons. I don't try to orchestrate it. But when I have my individual conversations, we can go right back to great stories and laughter, and that's okay.
1: How was their response to you writing the book? I know they both had contributed, so I assume many things from that, but I don't want to assume. So how was it?
0: It's interesting because, you know, my daughter works seven days a week. She's working 12 hours every day, and she runs fast and hard. She was very excited when I told her about it. I don't think she's even seen it. Okay. She did participate, of course. Yeah. But my son, being a captive audience, received a copy of the book from me a couple of weeks ago. And we've talked on the phone twice. And he hasn't really mentioned anything about it other than the fact that he's really proud of the fact that I did it, that there are other people around him that are interested in reading the book and I said well I'd be glad to send a couple extra copies he said no that's okay well I'll (laughs) share mine so but neither of them have really said too much about it I think it's something that bears a lot of thought and especially for my son and reading what his children had to say has to be a real gut punch and I don't know if he's even read those letters yet I don't know Mm -hmm. because he did some things as a a young dad and left the family and children just, you know, they lost their dad for a while. And now I don't know if they're going to get it back. It's up to them.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, I hope if he's listening or the grandkids ever choose to listen, that they hear my two cents on this. And that is the disease robbed them of their dad. Mm-hmm. Your daughter's disease robbed her of being the mom she wanted to be. Your son, was robbed of his ability to be the dad he wanted to be by a disease that was no fault of his own. Absolutely. And the kids are going to have, like you say, to come to their own terms about where they sit with that. And one of the things you've done a lot of in your time with the grandkids, and I, again, won't assume, I'll ask, probably with his children too, is keep a door open for language, communication, and resources. That Mm -hmm. seems to be very strong in your story.
0: Very, very much so. If, If there's any information you might possibly want or need, believe me, I will go to the ends of the earth to get it for you. Now, my son is not too far from where I live. His son lives south of us by about 10 hour drive, but he Drove here last May and he applied for permission to visit his dad in prison. We drove to the prison. We had about an hour and a half conversation with my son. It was very traumatic for both of them because my son had his own eyes on it. And he said to me as we were walking out, my grandson walked ahead of me. He said, You know, I I told him, I told my son in the book, who's Andy, told Andy I loved him. And, you know, he never said a word. And I just hugged him and we left. And in the car, Andy said, You know, I didn't even know that old man sitting across from me. Yeah. So we drove along home and had, you know, pretty light conversation. It was about an hour and a half. And I decided that I would sit down in a few days and I would write a letter, same letter I would send to both of them and sort of give them my take on it. And it would really be entirely up to them to try to figure out how to come together again, if ever it may or may not happen. Yeah. I felt like it was a good idea because it, brought them together in thought, even though they weren't having a conversation about what
1: what was going on
0: at that particular moment when I was writing this letter.
1: The collateral damage of the disease of addiction right there. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is a different story to yours with your grandfather, though they're not grandparent. And I wonder if it would be different than what your mom would have said about her dad. Because your grandfather's disease didn't appear to cause the destruction that your son's disease did in the family. But it definitely takes tolls on family, even if Mm -hmm. one is more functional. Mm
0: -hmm. Of course, my mother had grew up with ideas and attitudes and a very protective heart. She didn't say I love you very often to anyone. So it took its toll
1: on her, for sure. Right. It does. The other piece of it, though, is that you've afforded the generations after you some insights, some language, your own recovery, exposure, whatever they've gleaned from you through your sharing, that there is hope and healing, and that's the work they get to do if they choose to. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, by having this as an example of our legacy, really. And it can be a jumping off point for healing
1: Mm -hmm.
0: between family members. I think there'd be many uses for
1: our story. Mm -hmm. I'd agree. Is there a part you would want to read from your book? Is there a piece that stands out that feels like one that you'd want to share?
0: I'm going to read just a paragraph from the back of the cover.
1: Tell everyone the title again, in case they missed it in the beginning.
0: Okay, the title is Our Strength Under the Influence. Annie Augustus Rose, that would be me.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: This is something that I thought would be catchy, but it's truth. And I'm sure that with reading the front of this book and someone picked it up and turned it over, it would resonate for them too. Wait, what? Jamie, what did she just say? Heroin? Addicted? What the hell? These words would change the course of all our lives, yet until that day in September 1998, would I have had any reason to consider heroin or addiction a part of my family? Never. As our personal journeys began to collide and unfold concurrently, not in my wildest dreams would I have believed I would eventually come to know both of my children as addicts.
1: There are families listening who have never got any resources. This is their first step into the world of even listening to people. If you were to look back to your younger self when this all started to unfold, what would you have wanted to know then that you know now?
0: The importance of parenting and a parenting style that would Hold your children close to let them know how much they were loved and revered. To be a role model like none other that I eventually became in later life, but wished I'd had Mm -hmm. as a younger parent. Mm -hmm. I think, like I said earlier, you know, we have regrets, Mm -hmm. but we don't know. There's no manual. You figure it out as you go along.
1: And when it came to the evolution of the addictions of your children and your engagement with them with your own recovery, what do you think a takeaway has been that you would want to share that was helpful to you?
0: Just believe in yourself, but most importantly, believe that that child is in there. That child is your child. You love them unconditionally despite their choices, despite their bad behaviors. And honestly, If someone is in the situation, as I found with my children, if they didn't have the support and love of their family, I think that we would have had a much different outcome.
1: Hmm.
0: Have to hang in there. Yeah. With boundaries.
1: Sounds like boundaries became a vital part of your journey that you wouldn't have had early on but came to establish. Hmm. Do you think that changed when you had the grandchildren, that the boundaries became more enforced or they were happening before? Oh, definitely. (laughs) I had to. Mm -hmm. I mean,
0: we were in big trouble and I wanted to
1: make sure that
0: my grandchildren had the best possible lives to live Mm -hmm. because of what had happened to them. They didn't ask for it. And as I had said earlier, too, Mm -hmm. I was a single mom made some mistakes along the way. I didn't have the nurturing gene. I developed it, <laughs> I would say.
1: It's incredible, isn't it? When you say the word legacy, to look through our family stories in the different stages we go through as we mature in age, our ability to look back with compassion when maybe when we were younger we would be more critical. Mm-hmm to realize the lack of nurturance your mom may have felt because of her family of origin that you also felt. Mm -hmm.
0: All of those aspects of personalities get paid forward, good or bad. It becomes who, who they were, and then we become who they were, and so on and so forth. And somewhere along the way, you have to figure out that you can change behaviors. You just have to have a different way of looking at it.
1: And you can only change your own, no one else's. Right. Isn't that a humbling truth when you watch someone going down a path you wish they weren't on? There's nothing worse than
0: believing that that's your child who is looking at you. And there is nothing more heartbreaking than believing that you can't do anything about it. You cannot make it any different than it is. Mm-hmm. And it's up to them. And that's where patience and hope come in
1: and faith. And another piece you mentioned that I think is also a very big part of finding stability and serenity in in your own recovery journey as a family member is learning to pause, learning to not react, mm-hmm. even when the disease is pressuring you through the person. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's another component that you raised that's incredibly valuable for family members, that you learned to take the moment you needed, take the day you needed, take the time you needed Mm -hmm. to respond in the healthiest way possible, just rather than react from the fear and the intensity of the moment.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I do want to mention the support I had. I mean, I really wasn't a one-person show here. I had my children's dad, and even though we had been divorced for a number of years, and it was as contentious as most divorces can be, we realized quickly that we needed to have a unified front. We needed to be on board to do whatever it was, and maybe only to support one another in the moment. And we did. I mean, we became far better friends through this time in our lives than we had ever been before as young people getting married and having children. Mm -hmm. And then I had a partner who was absolutely fantastic. And what I learned from her are all the things that I didn't know about. And she was from a larger family. She was one of five children, a very strongly knit family themselves and She was pretty wonderful and did more than her part in keeping us all together. Mm -hmm. And then there were also the support services that we were able to tap into. And I found a grandparent support group. I mean, how valuable was that in just sharing with other people around my age who had been thrust into the position of reparenting, their grandchildren because of the behaviors of their own children and that was just Mm -hmm. remarkable i'm still friends with people from that group today and then there were the support services in the school system and then personal therapists and as i mentioned earlier casey family services i mean we just fell into so much good fortune because we were persistent and we weren't going to let it fail and we were going to find what we needed to find for resources for our family.
1: Yeah, you were tenacious around that. (laughs) I also think that one of the things you mentioned in your sharing of all the support you had around you, your children's father and your back and forth letters were really another visual that I think families could benefit from reading and seeing because it's in written word what many partners go through in trying to navigate when the disease tries to pit them against each other, or one parent might have a different desire than the other that you had each other to lean on when one was more tired than the other, and could step in the gap a little. Your letters and the way you wrote the book really demonstrate that in a very clear way that I think a person who's never written it down will be reading it going, oh my gosh, that's what we did. That's how we did this because it's so familiar to the Mm -hmm. survival around loving Mm -hmm. someone with the disease. I
0: think that also plays into the patience of the moment because we couldn't have a conversation. We couldn't articulate So we had to keep that flow going and keep those letters moving along. And so it did give time to be a little more thoughtful about what we were saying back and forth. And uh, I think there's great value in those letters.
1: There are. And I think you really raise a great point. Like, hey, families out there listening to this, if you find yourself being really reactive within your partnership when you're trying to parent an adult child with this disease, take a minute. And consider using the tool of writing to slow you down rather than this banter back and forth that can get really heated and really reactive fast. And it doesn't solve anything. Right. Only,
0: you know, adds fuel to the moment. And I think that that was a strength that we developed over
1: time. Yeah. Out of necessity. Mm -hmm, mm Because you couldn't do it any other way. So you were given that tool that others maybe don't even consider because they could just sit there and go back and forth verbally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no timeouts. Yeah. Uh, no way to read it with a different listening. Set in You know, when you read something versus say something versus hear something, they're all different. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. families, that's a really big takeaway from Annie's book. Consider the tool of writing. Maybe that can be a part of developing a pause and slowing down the reactivity that tends to be in the chaos of families with this disease.
0: Mm -hmm. for sure then again that just developed because we had no other choice you know fortuitous but we made the choice that's the thing i mean we just didn't do nothing Mm. i mean we made it work in the way we had to
1: yeah and there's very clear evidence of the struggles to set healthy boundaries stick to healthy boundaries to co-parent to not let the disease pit you I mean, all of that's in the writing and it's what I think is universally true in any family. That's Mm -hmm. the struggle. Mm -hmm. Annie Augustus Rose, I thank you for writing your book. I'm so excited that I got the note that you had written this book through my virtual assistant. And she's like, this looks interesting. She always throws things at me. And I contacted the writer in the paper Mm -hmm. and they jumped on it, got you in touch with me. And I'm so grateful. Yes. And I'm grateful for meeting you and having this opportunity
0: to share our family's experience. It's a story that needs to be told. It's a story that needs to be read. It needs to be shared. And I'm hoping that's my biggest hope.
1: Well, you've already got 11 reviews, and I'm guessing if anyone listening takes the time, which I know they will, to find your book and read it. They'll add another review for you and get the message out there of the value of this book. And I extend also gratitude not only to you and your courage to do what you've done in writing this, but to every family member that contributed. Because I think, as I've said already, that is an absolutely powerful, unique piece in your book. To hear, read your story, which involves you and different players, but mainly from your word and the letters, to then hear their words
0: Mm -hmm.
1: at the date that they put them in paper and share them with you. I really valued that a lot. And I want to say again to everyone listening who wonders why that would be so valuable. We may all grow up in the same family, but we all have our own truths of what life is like in that family. And as families, if we could be more compassionate towards ourselves and each other and understand that truth, it would go a long way. And I think your book shows that in many ways.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Annie Augustus Rose, for sharing so openly about your family's journey with the disease of addiction. I hope you all go out and buy Addicted, Our Strength Under the Influence, and write a review on Amazon. Help Annie have her book reach more people who will benefit from reading a story similar to their own. Come back next week. I am thrilled to introduce you to Dana and Maz, a couple whose partnership was tested and proved more powerful than alcoholism. I want to thank my guests for their courage and vulnerability in sharing parts of their story. Please find resources on my website, EmbraceFamilyRecovery.com. This is Margaret Swift-Thompson. Until next time, please take care of you.